Hosanna, a fellowship of Christians. Good morning, everyone. Hey, what do you think about the weekend? Nice, right? Nice, nice, nice. It's nice to have humidity down, heat down. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have all of you here with us today, and we welcome those of you who are also with us online. It's good to have you with us as well. So, if I can have your attention for just a moment. I know you love each other and you want to keep talking, and that's great, but think about this for a second. Holy. What does the word holy mean? You know, it means set apart. Uh, It means, you know, to be exalted. And we know that God, our God, is holy. And what we want to do this morning is we want to think about the holiness of God and recognize that even though he is holy and he's set apart, he's also within us. He's a God who's come down to be with us. So we're going to sing the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. And a lot of times when we sing hymns, they're words that we already know, and it's easy not to think about them. You know, we're just kind of singing them. So I'd like for you to try as much as you can to think about the, these words. You know, early in the morning, our song shall come to thee. Uh, and he's merciful and mighty. I, I like the one, all the saints adore thee. That's another one of the verses. So as we're singing, think about the words. Think about God and his holiness and what that means to you. So if you can stand, would you please join us? And we'll see if we can get ourselves a little old music coming up here.
like that organ? Yes. Yeah, nice, 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 nice organ. You didn't even know we had a pipe organ here, did you? No, no, absolutely not. Let me just get something set here. Okay. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit to come and be here with us.
Thank you for your amazing grace. And God, thank you that you are always here. You're always ours. Father, we're just filled with your love. We're filled with your spirit. We're filled with your grace. And just saying the words thank you are not enough. We do thank you. And we rejoice in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to welcome you. To our service this morning, it's good to have each one of you with us. We have a number of visitors with us today. Great to have you with us as well. And the ushers will come and take up the offering at this point in time. Thank you very much, thank you very much. Um, just a reminder, we do have an adult class at 11.15. Praying always continues today with uh, Joanne and the other Rick. We got two Ricks here. One Rick and two Ricks. Yeah, the other Rick. So I hope you'll enjoy that. Um, the, the prayer experiment handout, which Joanne spoke about last week, is in your mail slots. Or you can find it on the website, online, or at the Welcome Center. So you have three different places that you can pick that up. All right. And we have one more announcement here, and that is Heather Lowe is going to come and share with us. So, Heather. And I will hand off the mic to Heather. Good morning. Good morning to those of you online, which is often me. So just full transparency here. It's nice to see you all this morning, and if you haven't met me before, it's because I'm usually online during this uh, time and trying to transition back. So, my family and I began coming to Hosanna about 22 years ago, and my grandson has since been dedicated here, which has been a real blessing. And about 22 years ago, maybe 20 now, Joanne began working with me on spiritual direction, and also the Enneagram was introduced to me then. And I just want to tell you that it was probably the most life-changing thing in my experience in terms of my growth spiritually and otherwise. Um, I am a licensed uh, therapist in the area. I'm also a spiritual director here. And I have found that for me and what I see, the path to wholeness and growth often really begins from the inside out and looking at how we ourselves are seeing the world. And it's almost like if you 
if I were to give everyone in this room the same pair of glasses with the same prescription, many of us would have very, well, we would all have very different lenses of what we are seeing out there. And we would see each other very differently too. So the Enneagram is not, uh, it's often perceived as sort of this personality typing system that just labels you and you get a number and from then on, oh, you're a this. And oh, you're a that, that's why you're that way. It's gotten pretty trendy in the media if you go on Instagram. But one of the gifts I got out of COVID was that um, I was doing probably 10 therapy sessions back-to-back -back teletherapy during COVID, and my weekends were dead. So because everything went to Zoom, I was able to do my Enneagram certification through the narrative tradition, which was my, my dream. Five weekends, three full days a weekend, plus an internship but it was a lifelong dream for me and hugely transformative. And I've always wanted to do that to bring it to this home of mine here. Because I'm sold that this is not about a program, it's about how we really learn to clean our lenses. And when we clean our lenses, we can see with the vision of Christ in the world. And we can love with that vision, too. So down to more practical things. I'm going to be offering a class here at Hosanna. It's going to be six sessions, two hours a session on Thursday nights. It's going to be here at the building, at least to start. And what we're going to do is we're not going to begin with a test. We're actually going to begin with each person identifying for themselves where they think their type is and where it begins. And then we're going to dive into learning about each other and what that looks like for each person and kind of go through that as a small group. And so I just want to invite you to consider that. There is a flyer in your mail slot if you want to take a look. And we have put a sign-up sheet out on the um, Welcome Center. So um, if you want to take a look at that, I would love to have you participate and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So, thanks. Good morning. Good morning. And I wanna thank you all for the, oh my gosh, I got fantastic feedback for my rabbit trail, my, my bunny trail message last week. Um, I love this place, I love you, and I love the way that you're able to hear the Holy Spirit, even, when it's this way, yes. So last week, if you'll remember, our theme this year is gospel. Last week we looked at gospel is focus and how if we refocus our whole selves from what's negative, you know, what's, what's bad in the world and focus ourselves towards what is positive and already goodness in Christ, and if we'll refocus out of, we were in Philippians 4. And if we'll refocus from what appears to be broken or missing in us or in our lives to what is already completely ours in Christ, what is finished and done for us in Christ. If we'll focus from, refocus from this illusion of scarcity that we walk around with 
to the reality of the truly abundant life that we already have in Christ, if we'll refocus from begging God out there to do something that God wouldn't already do on his own. Like, we have to manipulate God. A lot of prayer, you know, it ends up trying to be control and manipulation. If we'll refocus from begging because we don't have to beg for anything, to gratitude, to thanking God for what we already have, everything changes, right? This is gospel. So this morning, we're welcoming Sarah Bateman. And Sarah, she'll be up here in just a moment. Um, I'm trying not to take too long because you know once I get started, I'll just keep talking. Sarah's here. Um, You remember Vince, Vince? Donnecke, who's sitting right behind Sarah, that's Sarah's pastor and colleague from Reading City Church. Vince was just here, um, when, several weeks ago. And uh, as always, brought us an amazing message. I was online for that one. Um, And uh, coming from Reading City Church, and we met Sarah through Vince. Um, And it's just a joy to get to know their congregation. They're getting to know ours. Who knows what God may have in the future, you know, for us to be continuing to work together in the body of Christ. But in meeting Sarah, her passion for Christ, her, um, this, this, you talk about abundance, abundance of overflowing joy that we experience in her. And also, um, abundant giftedness. Um, especially in the areas of healing and generosity, which will say, I'll say it this way. She likes to talk about money. I don't understand even how that may be, but we might have her back because she gets really passionate and excited talking about money, so we might need to do that. But this morning, right, all of this is very obvious in Sarah, and you'll see it in a moment when she comes. Her message today is gospel is blessing, which God only just puts these things together. We had no clue how things were going to roll out. And here, talking about gratitude, we don't have to beg. We get to be grateful because we're blessed. So, Sarah, do you have your own mic on? Yes. I, okay, you know I'm what? taking this one with you. You'll have to tell me if it's working. <laughs> <laughs> and last time I, you know, I, see, I know this is the thing. Yeah. When I came in so this morning. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's really good to be with you today. I'm going to assume that because I was the one that put the tape on the stage in our church that these X's mean I don't walk outside of this. Um, So because I have a real tendency to do that. uh, So welcome to those of you who are with us online. It's really good to be with you. Um, I, I love meeting everybody in person, so it's awesome to see faces, too. But how, how important is it for you to also, um, you know, be at home and also be encouraged through what we're going to talk about today? And, uh, and so just welcome, uh, everybody. I, first of all, I have to tell you, um, this is actually my first time ever preaching to a congregation that is not my own. So I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know what you're getting, but... Um, That was quite an introduction. Joanne said a lot of things that kind of embarrassed me a little bit. I thought by the time I came up here, I was probably going to be a little bit red, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, I don't even understand why she thinks this about me, but okay. Um, She is right about one thing. I do love to talk about money, but that is because I'm exceptionally passionate about stewardship. So she's probably talking about the preaching series that I did um, specifically on that subject. Um, And I do coach a lot of people in that, so yes. 
when she talks about joy, I, it was funny. If, I think if I've learned a few things, well, particularly um, uh, from Vince and his sermons that he has uh, done here with you, I would say there were a couple of things that I really kept in the back of my mind. One of them is, for sure, don't screw with the podium when you're on stage, because if you bother to do that, anything can happen, right? And Jeff might be called on, and Jeff isn't here this weekend. So, poor Jeff, or good, 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 good for Jeff. Um, and the other thing is that uh, I may need to sing, dance, or promptly exit the stage to music, so if you could do that for me, that would be awesome. Uh, I've actually realized that my problem is probably going to be that, um, you know, when Joanne first came in and, and I hugged her, my entire earpiece completely came off. It got stuck in my hair. It's falling down everywhere. I finally said, is this even, I don't even know if this is on right. <clears throat> um, turns out the whole thing got screwed up. So my problems will be a little bit different. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, I know that you all have been uh, in this whole year, right, exploring what it means for the gospel to be such a part of us. What is the gospel? What does that mean for us in our everyday lives, for us as a community? How do we actually enter those places? And it's interesting because at RCC, we've been exploring a lot of deep relational content. RCC, Reading City Church, yeah, yeah most of you don't know that. Um, we've been exploring a lot of very deep relational components and topics this year. And so as we sit together today, me with you and you with me and us before God together, we're going to explore that the gospel is blessing from biblical insight, but also actual practice. And um, I'd like to take a look at a, si a simple element that can deeply touch and help form us and then reform us and how it is meant to call us into existence, then we're actually going to do it together. So before you leave today, um, some of the elders will be up here, Deb, Rick, and Julie, and myself, and we will actually invite you just to come up and receive a blessing before you go. So we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to say it over you, to speak it over you. And we've looked at what it means to be loved into loving others, that we can only truly love others as we begin to fully understand that we are loved and can fully love ourselves, seeing ourselves the way that God sees us, right? This is absolutely the fundamental start for where this happens. And without this deep understanding, we love only in part. We keep many parts of ourselves hidden, relegating them to zero potential when it comes to healing and transformation. Healing and transformation in our own lives, but also in the lives of others. Because if we don't ever experience it ourselves, you can't give it away either. And from that place of understanding the kind of transforming love that lives in a fully triune state, right? So we know that we have God, we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. But we also have to think about love of God, love of self, and love of others also in a fully triune state. None of them can exist without the other, right? A reflective mirror of Trinity love, our own spiritual formation happens in the context of all of our loving relationships. And we know this to be true because to the degree by which we are fully seen and known by another human being, friend, or family member, 
We are able to enter life and give love, and we're able to empathize with others. Very different from sympathy. If I know anything about Joanne, I'm sure she's taken years to explain the difference between those two things. Empathy and sympathy are not the same. To the degree with which we can do that for someone else is to the degree that we have first received it. This is God between us, and the gospel is blessing. We've talked about what it means to let God begin to heal us and others by how we intently listen and vulnerably share, and that these two things themselves are also blessing. This is actually something that when Joanne and Tony came and spoke with us in, um, to our congregation in May, I, this is what they, one of the things they said, I kind of picked one line and it kind of has sat with me the whole time, is that we first need to listen to God because that's going to determine the tone by which we listen to others and the kind of God we offer them. So if we believe that God is a certain way with us, that's the same kind of God that we'll offer to somebody else. I think that's pretty profound. Because if we believe in a God who only and ever sits in judgment of who we are, then all we ever do is sit in judgment of others. So. I've been sitting with that for a long time, especially when thinking about this context of blessing. <clears throat> the active pronouncing and practice of blessing one another that calls out our purpose and our belonging to this world is something we cannot overlook. Its importance is integral to our well-being and to our relationships. And, <clears throat> you know, Joanne, I think, again, prefaced kind of where she was when she came back to you last week. and. Um, and I like to make sure that I know what's coming before and I know what's coming after. And we had a little phone conversation and she said, well, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. It's kind of all over the place and I was a little bit messy and I was like, okay. And Joanne and I are probably a little bit different that way. She exists a little bit more um, comfortably in that way, allowing the spirit to really just do whatever's going to happen. I'm more of like, if I dotted my I's and crossed my T's first, I think we can get there. But I think the marriage of both of those things is beautiful. And, um, and she expressed some things. There we go. <laughs> All right. Very vulnerably with you. Um, her experiences of pain and, and struggle, deep wrestling with God, right, and the need to focus oneself on the truth of who God says we are and how that is the foundation by which we need to live. That is so much easier done, no, said, than done. Especially when we are in the midst of what I love to call spiraling, right? In desperation. It feels sometimes like oblivion. It comes very naturally to me, and I bet it comes very naturally to some of you, if you're honest and if we can be that real with each other. But I love this too. There was a part in which she said, I was so blessed though by several people during that season of my life. And I'm not sure what it was that she received, but I'm assuming that came in many different forms and was probably a lot of encouragement to the heart. And so today I want to focus specifically on the power of blessing and I want to look at it in the context of three different aspects as entrance to our purpose in the world, 
as essential to our flourishing and our relationships and as our eternal reality. And before we jump in to that, and when I say eternal reality, I mean two of them actually. One of the actual eternity, eternal reality, but the generational power that that has here and now. And so I want to explore first what blessing is. And, and that's a great question just to start with. What is blessing? Where does it come from? What is the word? And, um, and how do we understand it? And this word is chosen in Old English Bibles to translate a Latin word, benedicere, and the Greek word eulogion, both of which have a ground sense of to speak well of or to praise. But these were used in scripture to translate the Hebrew origin of the word, which means to bend the knee or to come into a posture of praise and worship. And it's interesting to me that in the Hebrew origin of the word we know as blessing is a very visual translation and meaning. To actually put oneself in a posture of receiving by kneeling or bending the knee in a deep act of devotion and praise to one another is not something we probably consider very often. We do think about that in the context of God. We do think about that in the context of royalty, probably. But we don't often actually put one another in a place in which we find ourselves in that posture with each other. And it translates to a kind of posture of the heart toward the one who is being blessed. And it means that we place a very high value on the person that we bless. And on the one who blesses us, places on us an exceptionally high value. Placing a person, placing high value on a person does a few things. It calls them into the existence of being. It honors their individual qualities. It invites their spirit to belonging. And it frees them to be a gift to the world in love. This is blessing. It's belonging and freedom. And so this blessing is also our entrance. And I, and I want to start at the very beginning because I think the beginning of the Bible offers some pretty profound insights as to the nature of God and to our original design and to his intended purpose for our lives as human beings, made in his image and likeness, which we still are, right? Even if this Eden looks very different than the original Eden, right? We see that even before sin entered the world, long before we began the arduous task of choice and free will, we were at war, where we are currently at war, having to live on a cursed ground while deeply knowing we were made for so much more than just what we toil for and what is painful. God enacts creation in a very beautiful way. And so I just want to begin by reading a few um, pieces from Genesis 1 and to help us understand the context of this original blessing. Because in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, right? And he existed fully in the darkness before he even did that. So the darkness was not unknown to him. He was already there. It said his spirit hovered over the waters. And then he creates because that is what is in his nature to do, right? Light and dry ground and seas and plants and trees that bear fruit with seed in them, right? He already made things reproducible. Isn't that interesting? 
And he further divides light and creates two different ones, sun and moon, and then stars. And he says, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky. And he says about everything, it was good. Meaning, it was to be delighted in. That's how awesome it was. And then he blesses it and he says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. Notice some of the language there. And then he makes animals, right? And then God says, let us make mankind. Because he had made all these things, but none was actually the best representation of who he wanted to put himself in. And so he says, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds and the livestock. And he goes on. And then it says in 20, verse 27, so God creates mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Fully before him, full representation, two equal parts. And God blessed them. So immediately after he creates, he blesses. And he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And he saw all that he had made and it was very good. And on the seventh day, he rested from his work and he blessed the seventh day. Also very interesting. He makes it holy and he rests. Everything that he had desired to create he had done. And then he creates a very holy day and he blesses it. And as entrance into creation, God starts right first by making every single aspect of creation in forms that were beautiful to behold, and then he brings man in. So he preempts this creation of man already with a blessing. But we are God's crowning design and purpose. Right? and intended fully to enter the blessing of God. And so if we just take notice of what we read in Genesis, there are three blessings that occur in succession here. There's a blessing over the sea, the creatures of the sea, the birds of the air, but there's then a blessing over us, over his humanity made in his image, and then there's a blessing over a day of rest and rejuvenation. And interestingly enough, all of the other days, this is just a total side note, so you can have fun with it if you like. All the other days are recorded as having a morning and an evening that we know of, but we don't actually find that said about the seventh day. And so God starts our entrance into existence with this full blessing to increase and in rule. He, essentially, this is what it means. He placed such a high value on us and then on the position that he gave us in all of his creation. He didn't just create us and say, that looks nice. He evokes the full power of our potential, our purpose, and our design in the immediacy of pronouncing a blessing. And this original blessing sets off a chain reaction into humanity, right? Throughout the whole Bible, of continued passing on of blessings from parents to their children, 
um, a fundamental aspect of our entrance into this world and to our growing up and then to our flourishing. From friends to friends, a deepening and defining of the power in our relationships and then as Jesus on earth in human flesh, the blessing of uniting God with us. Um, I love this book. There's a book. It's actually been out for a really long time. It's by Gary Smalley and John Trent, um, and it's called The Blessing. And maybe some of you have read it. It's actually been updated in um, the past few years. Uh, There's one specific, I think they really touch on some awesome elements here because they break down the elements of blessing found in Scripture to um, some very specific things that are seemingly always included in that. And they look like this. It begins with a, with a meaningful touch. It has a spoken message that attaches a high value to the one being blessed. It pictures a special future for them and then has an active commitment to fulfilling that blessing. And we can see all of these elements begin to take shape through the accounts of blessings pronounced by parents and grandparents and friends throughout the scriptures. And, um, and, and we're going to dive into some of the incredibly rich uh, visual, right, that some of these blessings in scripture take on. But as a detail to the aspects of some of these blessings, I just want to mention this. And I had a slide for it, but I don't think we have it today. Um, we have created a saying in our home that under the blessing of our home itself, right, because we can choose to actually speak a blessing, but when you begin to cultivate and create an environment in which your home itself becomes a blessing, this is what it has to look like from my perspective. That we embrace and nurture these things, identity, individuality, freedom, intimacy, and hospitality. And that all five of those things coexist in this beautiful nurturing in which the door is always open and which you may always come and sit and be and just be. And these are big concepts that in actual practice have a great many details, but think for a moment of what that would look like in your life and in the lives of others. If that's already on your heart, I'm sure there's quite a number of elements you can think of. But I'm sure you also could think of someone who really blessed you just by entering their space. And so with respect to these elements of blessing, we find that blessing is essential. And why is it? Why is the practice of it so essential? Well, what we find in scripture repeatedly is that blessing is equated to life And the opposite of that, which would be to curse, is equated with death. Blessing and life and cursing and death. On complete opposite sides of the spectrum. In Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, it says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. In Proverbs 18, verse 20 to 21, it says this, From the fruit of his mouth, right? So from the words that we speak, a man's stomach is filled. And with the harvest of his lips, he is satisfied. So what does it mean to to harvest? Harvest is a reaping, right? So we sow with our words, 
and then we reap the harvest of our words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those who eat it, those who love it, either one will eat its fruit. I um, have a particular love uh, for uh, this author, John O'Donohue, and, and I'm, I actually probably, uh, the reason why I even know about him is through an introduction that Vince gave me to one of his books, To Bless the Space Between Us. And if you've never heard of this book, To Bless the Space Between Us, I hope you'll go home today and buy a copy of it. Because <laughs> it, uh, it, it is a book filled with blessing, right? He does, he's an incredible writer, a poet. He was. He passed on and, and is no longer with us. But what he left for the world is such an incredible gift, and it's very rich. I see <laughs> some of you know him. Um, but I want to say some things that he wrote because I think it's so beautiful. That blessing evokes a sense of warmth and protection. It suggests that no life is alone or unreachable. And that we need to rediscover our power to bless one another because the commercial edge of so-called progress has cut away a huge region of human tissue and webbing that once held us in communion with one another. And we have fallen out of belonging. When a blessing is invoked, it changes the atmosphere. And in the light and reverence of a blessing, a person becomes illuminated in a completely new way. And into a broken heart, healing falls like morning dew. How many of us have experienced that? That when our hearts are broken, a blessing feels like morning dew. A blessing evokes a privileged intimacy. It touches that tender membrane where the human heart cries out to its divine ground. A blessing is not a sentiment or a question. It is a gracious invitation where the human heart pleads with the divine heart. It's beautiful. And so I want to, to explore what does blessing look like to others in the Bible? What examples are we given there that we can look at that are very, very rich? And then kind of bring them into the context of who we are now and, um, and what life looks like now. Because we can read it from then, but it will have different meaning for us now. And so I want to just read some of these, um, the scriptures where um, Isaac gives blessing to Jacob and then Jacob blesses his sons and grandsons because they're so very visually rich. And as we think about the five respective elements of blessing, right? Meaningful touch, a spoken message, attaching a very high value to a person, an active commitment to fulfilling the blessing. I just want you to take notice as we read these where these elements show up, right? And so if you want to, um, you can look at me while I'm talking, or you could just take some time and just close your eyes and actually uh, let it sit with you for a little bit. And we're going to start in Genesis 27. And this is Isaac. And he says, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, The smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. 
May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. And in Genesis 48, we find another one. It says, Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age. This is Jacob. And he could hardly see. And so Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. And then he blessed Joseph and says, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life, the angel who has delivered me from harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. We probably still incorporate that generational blessing because often we name our children after their predecessors, right? We may not even really think of it that way, but that is what we're doing. In Genesis 49, um, this is a blessing that is then, there. obviously there are 12 sons of Jacob. Every one of them receives, but there are only a few that I'm going to read just because it would be very, very long. In verse 8, the blessing over Judah. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch, he will wash his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend toward Sidon. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. Notice the imagery and put it in the context of now. What would it look like for you to speak something like that over your children or grandchildren or your spouse or your friends? This kind of blessing in which fathers bless their children and grandchildren was and is still common in Jewish tradition, including the differentiation appropriated to each child individually. None of these two blessings are ever the same. Every person is completely individual. In scripture, we see that teachers and leaders also bless, right? In Mark 10, we see people bringing children to Jesus for his blessing. And this is one of my favorite parts, because Jesus not only blesses the children, but he speaks about how important it is not to prevent children from receiving a blessing. And he understood how crucial this was. And so in Mark 10, verse 13 through 16, it says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But his disciples, right, the ones who were closest to him, rebuked them. 
Toss them aside. They weren't relevant, right? They didn't have the same kind of relevance. God saw them as paramount. And he says this, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Children don't have to have all the answers. They're curious. They don't even um, think about whether they should cry or not if they're hurt. They come running to you and fall upon you. And into your arms they want to receive from you. But I think as we get older and we get disillusioned by so much of what life throws at us, we forget that that's all God wants us to be. Nothing else. Not perfect. Not with some sense of extreme spirituality that we have to have, which is an allusion to what's really going on inside. He just wants the heart of a child from each of us. And I think in some way, he wants us to be that free. Have that kind of freedom that it wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't matter what we did wrong. It wouldn't matter how we got hurt that we come running to his arms. In verse 16, it says, he took the children into his arms, placed his hands on them. They're already there. And still he places his hands on them. And he blesses them. The gospel is blessing. Jesus was it himself, right? In uniting God and man. But he also did it repeatedly. He did it through healing. He did it through speaking. He did it through seeing. He did it through absolute miraculous wonders. And here we see in Jesus' blessings, again, the importance of this element of physical touch in blessing another person. And out of the five elements of blessing, I really quick want to unpack this one just for a moment because I'd like to understand, to help us understand, why it has such underestimated significance. Because I have found that um, a great number of people are very averse to physical touch. And it could be for a number of reasons. Trauma would be one of the first reasons, right? But also, um, an inability for generations who suffered trauma through not receiving affection pass that down. And so we don't understand sometimes why um, this is so incredibly important. We know that we lack, but we actually don't understand what this can do for us. And because it has such physiological effects, not just spiritual, um, I want to read some things to you about it, and I, th I thought this was fascinating. Um, interestingly enough, this actually also came out of, uh, out of the book The Blessing, written by Gary Smalley and John Trent. Um, and, and for a moment, I'd like us to see how the physiology of our human connection and touch is, is so vital. Over one-third of our five million receptors are centered in our hands. Interestingly enough, the act of laying on of hands became the focus of a great deal of modern interest and research. 
Dr. Dolores Krieger, professor of nursing at New York University, conducted numerous studies on the effects of laying on of hands, right? This is a woman who works in a hospital with people who are ill and really need care. And it's in the context of that environment that this study begins. What she found is that the one, someone who needed this kind of care, the one touching and the one being touched receive, both receive a physiological benefit. And how is this possible? Well, inside our bodies is something called hemoglobin, the pigment of red blood cells, which carries oxygen to the tissues, right? That makes everything come to life. What we breathe and how oxygen is received to our tissue makes us come to life. And she would find repeatedly that hemoglobin levels in people's bloodstreams actually go up during the act of laying on of hands. As hemoglobin levels are invigorated, the body tissues receive more oxygen, and this increase of oxygen energizes a person and can aid in the regenerative process if she or he is ill. Human touch in and of itself, an aspect of blessing and also blessing. It is now common knowledge by tons of research that has been conducted widely for many, many years that human beings, you and I, need at least nine meaningful touches every day. Nine. I can see some of you start placing your hands on each other. Man, I love this. This is awesome. You just start touching each other. This is so great. Okay. Nine meaningful, you know, it probably wouldn't benefit you to decide I'm just going to get all those in right now just by doing this, okay? So don't take that approach either, right? Make sure that that continues throughout the day, okay? Um, this is going to be a great service. By the end, we're all just going to be in one big giant hug. Um, so do, you, do we not see and understand that God knew what he was doing when he created us, right? And when he made this part of us. He creates our very flesh, and then he makes a point when he comes to earth to touch all those he blesses and heals. And so why is blessing so essential? Again, we just are trying to answer this question. Blessing not only provides people a much-needed sense of personal acceptance, it also plays an important role in protecting and freeing them to develop and nurture intimate relationships. Before we end with blessing, I think we would be remiss if we also didn't look at this too. What happens when we don't? Because this is a very, very big question. And by this I mean when we do not purposefully give love through affection and spoken words, attaching a high value to the person receiving them. When we do not call out our purpose by picturing a special future out their purpose, by picturing a special future and doing all of it in the nurture and care of one's own identity and individuality, releasing who they are in freedom, intimacy, and hospitality, what happens then? Well, I'd like to think about it for a moment this way. Think about blessing and cursing on a continuum, right? Where on one side is life and on the opposite side is death. We probably have never thought about this before or even thought about it this way. But I'd like to suggest that every time we don't choose to bless, we leave a vacuum in which what is left in the absence of blessing is an opportunity for a curse to come in. Every time we don't choose to bless, we leave a vacuum 
in which what is left in the absence of blessing is an opportunity for a curse to enter. This is in the neglect of blessing. When our own identifications of love from broken places within us demand another's responsibility for our own emotional needs, we guilt others into loving us rather than give love to them in freedom. Out of that guilt, those that we say we love never learn to trust our love, accept it as true and honest, and worse, without their own healing, are doomed to repeat the very same cycle. So we guilt and we do not bless. When we, in our own deep insecurities and lack of self-worth, lack of belonging, hidden places of shame, place judgment on others as a way to make ourselves feel better about who we are, because let's be honest, we haven't a need to judge somebody else unless we really need to feel better. We judge, and we do not bless. And this is extremely evident in the places I think we don't stop to consider, but I'd like us to think about this in the most basic terms of our relationships for a moment. When our default pattern is to think the worst of another, assuming things and building narratives about their motives in our heads, and I wouldn't be saying this to you unless I struggled with this. All the while moving in judgment of what we think we know instead of simply going and talking with them to understand being willing to be wrong. It sucks to be wrong. Oops, can I say that? (laughs) Sorry! (laughs) That's not appropriate. Okay. Um, You're all laughing, so I'm (laughs) I'm guessing you're all also pretty real. Uh, Maybe that's just not acceptable in some of my family. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Being willing to be wrong, we judge, right? And we don't bless. When we who may not have received blessings from parents or grandparents or friends that have ever called us into existence have been left with holes inside of us, we retreat into anger, resentment, and bitterness. We criticize and do not bless. Notice we're moving on this continuum, right? When wounds run so deep that we have become embittered, tragically lost without a sense of our own love and identity, we then cut others down with our words in anger, resentment, judgment, spite, insecurity, and desperation. This is out of desperation, right? Because we haven't a clue who we are. We've never been called into our own identity. We don't have any value that we ascribe to ourselves, And so we have lost our entire purpose. We curse and do not bless. In James 3, verses 9 and 10, it says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. And my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. Isn't it so true 
We all experience all of that on some continuum of the line between blessing and cursing. We live in a fallen world. It's just where we are, right? But I want to also help us understand that blessing is eternal both on earth and in heaven. And what I mean by on earth is that it has generational power. See, because we know that the earth is under a curse, for when sin entered, shame entered the garden. Shame is a horrible thing. (laughs) And it puts us in prison. And God's consequence, though, for the disobedience of Adam and Eve was to curse the ground. He didn't actually curse his humanity. He cursed the ground. A noticeable difference. Because that will redefine how you think about yourself and how we think about the world. Therefore, we live in the tension between a cursed ground, which we would say is our atmosphere, and the insertion of blessing from God directly into our lives, despite living on this cursed ground. And blessings are meant to insert the eternal reality of how we were originally created and what will exist with us when we are then finally with God for all eternity, right? When he creates a new heaven and a new earth. Blessing into a cursed earth changes the atmosphere to reflect the original intention and creation of God. And uh, I think I'm actually running pretty late, so sorry. (laughs) All right, we're going to wrap this up. Um, uh, Just as a few final uh, notes of scripture, God speaks to Abraham some pretty incredible blessings, and we see a number of these in the Old Testament. I will make you into a great nation and will bless you and make your name great. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So I just want you to know for a moment that right now you also sit under the blessing of Abraham. From the very beginning, you sit now, today, under the blessing of Abraham. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. He will love you and bless you and increase your numbers. Increase is one aspect of blessing that is so interesting. Everywhere you see God bless, from the Old Testament to the New, this element of increase is right there. Because if something is really good, it ought to just continue to grow. This eternal reality, the hope of what we long for, is released into the atmosphere of the cursed ground that is our reality. In Romans 8, 18 through 24, it talks about how all of creation eagerly longs for the revealing of the children of God. This longing of rescue happens in part when we choose life, as God told us, to open our mouth to bless. We love others into purpose and potential through the power of blessing. And blessing received transforms people's minds and hearts and makes room for the realities of God to flood them. And this affects how we interact with others creation, and circumstances to be life-giving in return. As an aside, I love this app called Lectio 365. Some of you probably know it. Um, This past week, there was one, I believe it was Fridays, and it was called Salted with Fire. And it was very interesting from uh, Mark 9, verses 49 through 50, says this, and I never thought about it in this way. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? 
Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Well, I probably never even took a second look at it because I don't understand what that means. We use salt all the time. But why is it being spoken of in such a significant way? In ancient culture, sharing salt at a table was a symbol of friendship. It meant that you had a deep relationship that couldn't be broken. Eating salt together was a pledge and a promise that you would always remain friends, and it was a serious covenant. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is recorded as calling us the salt of the earth. That very item represents this commitment to friendship. Like Abraham, we are blessed in order to bless our relationships and the world around us. And God's covenant with us through his blessings. The very biblical understanding of blessing is another key in not losing our saltiness. Blessing on one another is like sitting around a table, passing salt. Simultaneously enjoying the blessings of our origin and the continued covenant. Today we're going to practice the power of blessing one another. So I'm going to invite Deb and Rick and Julie up just to the front um, with the blessings that you already have in your hands. What I wish I had um, was the slide that would tell you exactly which blessings uh, each of those are going to pronounce. Uh, which, e which, all right. <laughs> Let's start over. Uh, each one of them has uh, a set of blessings, right? Each one of us will have two. And so um, I'm going to tell you what they are, and I'm going to let you sit in them for a moment before you come up. And I'm inviting all of you to do that, okay? I would actually like you to do that by going to the back first and making a line and coming up the center aisle and then receiving your blessing, whichever one you choose, and then you may be dismissed from that point. So um, for those of you who are online today, since you are not here with us in person receiving these blessings, I'd actually like for you to think about how you can be a tremendous blessing to someone else. How maybe you could write that out. Um, and you know what? Really simply, if that's daunting, just go to Google and type in a blessing, and I'm pretty sure you can pick something and then kind of make it your own, right? So this doesn't have to be arduous or strenuous. <laughs> um, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Um, most of these blessings, um, were, I wrote them, and some are other people's blessings as well. Uh, but today, we really are going to practice the power of this. <clears throat> I, I don't want you to be, um, you know, I don't want you to feel like, uh, oh, this is like me coming up for, for prayer. You know, like I have to have something to say. No, this is not that at all. This is an invitation to receive a very specific blessing that in some way I hope will be healing to your heart for wherever you are right now. And in the context of receiving that blessing, may you find a way to also bless someone else. Because blessings are crucial and they call out life within us. <clears throat> and as we end this portion, I want to tell you what these blessings are. You're going to sit with them so you know which one you may want to receive, right? Um, Rick has two. The blessing of a father for those of you who may never have received a father's blessing. 
and a blessing for friendship. Deb has a mother's blessing for those of you who have never received the blessing of a mother. And she has a blessing for belonging. Julie has a blessing for the heart and for receiving. So if you just need to receive, there's a blessing for that and one for the care of your heart. And the blessings that I will be giving are blessing for courage and a blessing for a new season in your life. So let me just say those again so that you can sit with them for a moment while I pronounce our um, benediction blessing. Rick has a father's blessing and a blessing for friendship. Deb has a mother's blessing and a blessing for belonging. Julie has a blessing for the heart and a blessing for receiving. And I have a blessing of courage and a new season. And so um, I'd invite you right now, those of you who are in person and those of you who are online, if you are with someone else, I encourage you to also do this. I'd like you to take up the element of meaningful touch and hold the hand or the wrist of a person sitting next to you or place your hand on their shoulder. If you are far away, move closer, and if you are seated by yourself, get up. <laughs> Go sit next to another person. We can all do it at once, right? So that will be easy. And when you all have that, and everyone is in some kind of connection. <laughs> this is awesome! <laughs> this blessing I would like to pronounce over you. In the stillness of this moment, may you find grace to sit with yourself and others. May the waves of life that have washed over you be still. In the tension of what you carry, or what has besieged you. May you find restoration through the gentle love of another who sees you fully. May the sunrise of the morning that wakes you find you alive to fresh mercy, to joy, and to the possibility of what is not yet your reality. In the raindrops that fall, softly or with great force, may the cares of yesterday be washed away. And in the quiet of silence or the noise of busyness, may the spirit remind you that you are loved, that you have a purpose, and that you are never alone. Thanks, Rick. So at this time, we're just going to have some instrumental music to play in the background. And I would like for all of you who are going to come up and just receive a blessing today to just make your way around the back and then walk right up the center. 